and verses 9 through 17. That's Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. I'm excited about the word this morning. God is good. The Bible says, after these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? Look at your neighbor and say, who are they? And where have they come from? I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst anymore, nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe every tear from their eye. I want to speak on the subject. I am the one he loves. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we will not be satisfied unless we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. You've heard this quote before. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. This this famous quote is the campaign slogan used by the UNCF and is one of the most widely recognized slogans in advertising history. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. This week, a man was shot in the city of Cleveland Heights. And and they, they arrested four young men. And when they showed these young men on the screen, I noticed something about their expression. It just seemed like there was nothing there. It just seemed like there was just nothing there. A wasted mind leads to a wasted life. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. It's terrible to waste your mind on silly stuff. Mm -hmm. 
It's terrible to waste your mind on nonsense. It's the mind, it's in the mind that I feel. It's in the mind that I perceive my situation. It's in the mind that I think. It's in the mind that I move. It's in the mind that I think about stuff. It's in the mind. You can lose your mind. Has anyone ever felt like you was about to lose your mind? Mm-hmm. You can go out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wanted to give someone a piece of your mind? Every time you see him, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Ah, you don't want to give too much of your mind away, though, you see. Thoughts can cross your mind. Have you ever been sitting in a car and all of a sudden somebody popped up on your mind? The mind is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, The Bible declares that as a man thinketh, so is he. That is a profound statement. You see, if you think broke, you're going to be broke. All right? And then if you think I'm walking in success, you will start walking in success. Because the Bible declares that as a man thinketh, so is he. Much of your past was created by your thoughts. You see, let me get personal. I've made some bad choices because my mind wasn't right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've lost some things because my thinking just wasn't right. I had to endure some pain because my mind wasn't right. But... When I got my mind back together again, I was able to turn the situation, you see. Much of your present was created by your thoughts. Where you are today is a product of your thinking. It is a product of how you perceive your situation. Now here is the good news. Your future will be directed by your thoughts. How you think about yourself, how you perceive the situation, what you think of your God makes a difference. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. John, the apostle, the author of our text today, he had a mindset That fascinates me. The way John thinks intrigues me. The way he views himself. The way he views his God. I like the way John the apostle thinks. I like the way he assesses a situation. I dare declare that the gospel according to John is, is my favorite gospel. I just like the way he writes. John, you will recall, was the brother of James, the son of Zebedee. Uh, He would become one of the leading apostles, leaving a tremendous legacy of service for the kingdom. 
Uh, he would write the gospel according to John. He would write first, second, third John. And he would also write the revelation to John. Mighty work for the kingdom by this man of God. You will recall that Jesus was walking along the beach of Lake Galilee one day. When he sees two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew, they were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It, that was their job, you see. Regular work. But Jesus said to them, follow me. Yeah. Ah, I, Jesus said, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. Instead of catching perch and bass, I'll teach you how to catch men. Jesus said, follow me. I sometimes wonder what it would be like to be walking down the street and Jesus walks over and says, Dwayne, follow me. My goodness, what an awesome, awesome experience it must have been to follow Jesus. You will recall a short distance down the road, down the beach. Ah, Jesus continues to walk. Pray for me, y'all. This technology, pray for me now. <laughs> just, just stay with me now. There we go. A short distance down the beach, they came upon another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their fishnets. And Jesus makes the same offer to them. They were just as quick to follow, abandoning the boat and the father. Jesus says to John, follow me, and John follows. In this exchange, a relationship is formed. Follow me. It was a relationship that will change the life of John forever. You see, you cannot come into contact with Jesus and not be affected by Jesus. You cannot walk with Jesus and not be touched by Jesus. John finds out that Jesus will change everything about your life. Everything about your life will change when Jesus comes to town. John finds out that he is a wonderful counselor. John finds out that he is the mighty God. John finds out that he is the eternal father, prince of peace. John finds him to be a friend. John finds him to be a brother. John finds out that he can calm a storm. Yes, he can. Anybody here know that Jesus can calm a storm? Anybody know that when Jesus says, peace be still, your storm has to settle down? Ah, Je Jesus blew John's mind. Anybody had their mind blown by Jesus before? Have you ever turned around and said, look at God, move. The, the praise team said, late in the midnight hour, he'll turn it around. Won't he turn it around when you need him to turn it around? John was impressed by Jesus. John would write many years later. John would say, in the beginning was the word. 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's a powerful statement. John is saying Jesus was the word in the beginning, creation time. And he's saying the word Jesus was with God. And then he says, and he was God. Powerful statement. John said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what John said. John declares he became flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. That's what John said. John said the word of life appeared right before my eyes. John said I walked with him. I talked with him. I ate dinner with him. John said I fellowship with him. I heard him laugh. I saw him cry. I saw him smile. Change. John is forever changed by Jesus. John sat with him in the synagogue and heard him teach. John was amazed by his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. You see, no one taught like Jesus. Can you imagine sitting in Jesus' Sabbath school class? Oh, man, can you imagine hearing Jesus preach a sermon? John went to a wedding with Jesus when they ran out of wine. John was there. John heard the exchange Jesus had with Mary and heard Jesus instruct them to fill the water pots with water. John tasted the water that was turned into wine. John said, I ain't never had no wine like this before. Oh, John tasted the wine and said, that's some good wine, you see. Oh, it was at this wedding that John believed in Jesus. John was at the pool of Bethesda. You remember the pool of Bethesda. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, was at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, one man had been an invalid there for 38 years. 38 years he did not move. 38 years he was stretched out by the pool and no one could help him. But John heard Jesus ask the man, do you want to get well? And John heard Jesus say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And old John was impressed that day when the man got up picked up his mat, and he walked. John was impressed with Jesus. John was with Jesus on the mountainside when 5,000 sat waiting for a little bite to eat. John saw Jesus take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed the multitude. John tasted the fish and marveled once again, who is this Jesus? Who is he? That was some good fish that day. Oh, yes, it was. You have never had fish like this before. I know your uncle can fry some fish. But let me tell you, when Jesus fries fish, oh, my goodness. John was changed by his relationship with Jesus. His thoughts were changed by the relationship with Jesus. 
His thoughts were changed. His mindset, his view of himself. All through the Bible, you see, you see an intolerant John. You see a, a vindictive John. You see a messed up John. You see an ambitious John who was forever changed by Jesus. Remember, it was intolerant John who saw someone casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but because he wasn't in their group, he wanted to shut them down. John said, uh-uh, you don't belong in our group, so I'll shut you down. It was vindictive John who wanted to command fire to come down from heaven to consume the Samaritans because they did not receive Jesus. There was John saying, kill him! Kill him, Jesus! John! It was ambitious John who instructed Jesus to sit him and his brother on the right and left of him in glory. Intolerant. Vindictive. Ambitious, His mind was messed up. But when you get close to Jesus, oh, when you get close to Jesus, your thoughts begin to change. Ah, your mind is changed. Things you used to do, you don't do anymore. Places you used to go, you don't go anymore. Thoughts you used to think, you don't think anymore. This thought began to form as he fellowships with Jesus. Ah, if you can get my first text on the screen, media team. Uh, we catch a glimpse of John's mindset from his writing. Uh, join me as we unpack this powerful, life-changing thought that has already changed my life. I, I hope you see what I'm talking about. I like the way John thinks. Um, I'm, I'm, you have to understand, the Gospel of John was written many years after Jesus left and went back to earth. And so what John is doing now, John is reminiscing. He, he, he wants to tell us um, his eyewitness account. He wants to tell us what happened when Jesus walked on the earth. And we're going to look very quickly at five texts. The first one is John 13, 21 to 25. I'm going to read in your hearing. John 13, uh, 21 and 25. And I, I believe you are going to just be blessed by this verse. This is when Jesus predicts his betrayal. He says, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples begin looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. There was one on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciple, disciples whom Jesus loved. Uh, say whom Jesus loved. Say it again. Say whom Jesus loved. And so Simon Peter gestured to him, the one that Jesus loved, and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He leaned back thus on his bosom and said, Lord, who is it? 
Now, I appreciate this text because John is giving us that eyewitness account. When you give an eyewitness account, you say so-and-so was there and -and so-and-so was there. And that's just what John did. He says Jesus was sitting at the table. He says Peter was in the room. He identifies Jesus. He identifies Peter. And then he says there's someone else in the room, uh, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, amazingly, interestingly, John does not tell us who it is that Jesus loves. Turn with me now to John 19, verse 25. John chapter 19. And we'll read this one very carefully. John chapter 19, verse 25. I will read in your hearing. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, say whom he loved. Standing near, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, behold your mother. Another interesting exchange by John. He's telling you about the cross. And he's saying Jesus is on the cross. And he's telling you what he saw. He said Jesus looked down off the cross. And he looked down. He saw his mother And he looked by her side and he saw the disciple that he loved. And once again, we have to ask ourselves the question, who is this disciple that he loved? And why won't he identify him? Turn to John 20. John 20. John is writing all of this. John 20 verses 1 to three. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter. You know, Simon Peter was everywhere. Simon Peter and two and two and two, the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And once again, reminiscing, he tells us who is at the tomb. In his mind, he's saying there's someone there that Jesus loves. Now, I'm asking myself the question, wouldn't Jesus love everybody there? Peter was there. Mary was there. Didn't he love them? Turn with me to John 21, 4 and 7. 21, 4 and 7. Just stick with me. John 21. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast a net on the right hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it because of the great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Look at John 21, 20. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. You have to ask yourself the question, who is this person? Who is this man? Who is this woman? John never identifies the disciple whom Jesus loves. 
No other gospel writer talks about a disciple whom Jesus loves. Matthew doesn't say it. Mark doesn't say it. Luke doesn't say it. Jesus loves everyone. Ah, I found something out. I found something out, Elder Cox. John refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. John was so impressed with Jesus that he got up in the morning, Monday morning, he said, it's a good day. I'm the one Jesus loves. Yeah. When John had bills to pay, he said, that's all right. Because I'm the one that Jesus loves. When John was going through stress on his job, he said, it's all right. Because I am the one that Jesus loves. You know you have members in your family that you done gave them a nickname. They didn't choose their own nickname. They didn't say my name is Pookie. Somebody named them Pookie. John gave himself a nickname. He said, I am the one that Jesus loves. I am the one that he cares about. I am the one that he protects. It was settled in his mind. That was his identity. I am the one that he loves. I am the one he cares for. I am the one he provides for. I am the one he delivers. I am the one he sets free. I am the one he heals. I am the one he protects. I am the one he loves. That's who I am. He was caught up over the love of Jesus. Ah! He was so overtaken with the love of Jesus, he wrote an entire book about it. First John, second John, third John, he's talking about love. John said, he said, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. John said his love is so awesome. His love is so amazing. His love is so marvelous. You just have to stop and look at it. John said, just, just look at his love. Ah, uh, what manner of love is this? The Greek originally means what, what sort of love or what quality of love is this? It often implies admiring amazement. John is lost in wonder as he contemplates the measureless height and depth of divine love. Our commentary states that he is so captivated by the magnitude of divine love that he invites us to simply behold it. Ain't nothing like God's love. Whoa! The songwriter said, oh, the love of God, how rich and how pure, how measureless and how strong. I hear Jesus declaring unto you today that I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Your mama may not have loved you. 
Your father may not have loved you. Your husband may have walked out on you. Your wife may have left you. But Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. (laughs) You are the one he came for. You are the apple of his eye. When he created you, he he broke the mold. He said, there is none like you. When we sing, Lord, there is none like you, he repeats the phrase back to you and says, there is none like you. Ah! He loves you this morning. And when, when, (laughs) when you love him, you can't help but worship him. Ah, because of his love, you cannot help but worship him. John! was preeminently concerned about worship. He has worship on his mind. He loves to worship God. Uh, When you know God loves you, uh, you cannot help but give him praise. When you know God cares, when you know he has made a way out of no way, when you know he's opened up some doors for you, when you know the doctor told you you had cancer and then you went back and he told you, I can't find any cancer. When you love God, you cannot help but praise him. Ah, John, John, John finds himself in a, in a bind. When you serve God, Sometimes you find yourself in a bind, you see. An early tradition says that John was banished to Patmos by the Roman authorities. Uh, Revelation 1 through 9, uh, Revelation 1 9 says that the author who wrote the book was our brother John, a brother and companion in tribulation. Anybody know something about tribulation? Uh, you're going through something. And if you're not going through something today, keep living because something is coming down your path. Ah, Ellen White says that Patmos was a barren, rocky island in the Aegean Sea. It had been chosen by the Roman government as a place of banishment for criminals. But to the servant of God, this gloomy abode became the gate of heaven. Ah, I like the book of Revelation. Here, shut away from the busy scenes of life and from the active labors of former years, he had the companionship of God and Christ and the heavenly angels. And from them he received instruction for the church for all time. Ah, John is on the island of Patmos. You see, because of his love for Jesus, tribulation and and being placed out in the pit of Patmos could not stop his praise. Don't let anything stop your praise this morning. When you know God loves you, trial will not block your worship. You will learn to give him praise in the hard times. You will learn to give thanks when things are not going well. The Bible declares that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet. Ah, won't Jesus come and see you in your situation? Won't Jesus show up when nobody else is around? Won't Jesus come and see about you? Ah, this Jesus was the same Jesus John saw stretched out on Calvary's cross. 
This John, this Jesus, was the same one that John saw with arms stretched out. John saw them pierce him in the side. John saw him hang his head and he died. And John was at the tomb when he realized the tomb was empty. Early Sunday morning, John realized he got up with all power in his hands. This same Jesus who rose with power gives John, uh, while he's out there all by himself, a glimpse of the future. (laughs) He gives him a glimpse of the most awesome praise and worship service ever. Now, Glenville, listen. We know how to praise the Lord here. We know how to give God praise. Uh, Sometimes when we're worshiping, I just have to stop and listen to the voices. You know when we sing that Revelation song and the altos come in and then the tenors come in and you just have to stop and say, my goodness, listen to the people of God praise him. Uh, But we have never, never sang like they sang at this congregation. The Bible declares in Revelation that there was a great multitude that no one could count. This is John getting his information from Jesus on the island of Patmos. I get excited beholding that massive congregation. I get excited knowing that they are from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue that has ever walked on the face of the earth. No man can number it. John is watching out at the congregation. And nobody can count them. But as I look at the congregation, and I take a very close look, I see over in the corner, I'm in the congregation. I see myself in the congregation. I don't know if I'm a part of the 144,000. I really don't care. Just as long as I get into the city. If I'm the last one in, that's all right by me. I'll shut the gate. But let me tell you, I'm in the city. There I am, clothed in my white robe. Can you see me now? There I am with my palm branch in my hand. Can you see yourself there? What are you going through today? Because whatever you're going through, it's over now. It's over now. Ah, the Bible says they begin to cry out with loud voices. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What I like about it is the fact that they are not alone. Angels are standing around the throne. And around the angels, the elders, and the four living creatures. Can you hear the praise? Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. The multitude, the elders, the angels, the four living creatures bowed before the throne. And they declare again, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They are there to praise him. Ah, they are there to worship him. I see myself lifting up my hands and saying, I made it in. Millions didn't make it, but I was one of the ones who did. They worship him. They praise him. This is just the beginning of the scene. The multitude then begins to praise him with the sevenfold doxology. We've done a doxology here before, but I don't think we've ever done the sevenfold doxology. Ah, they, they, they worship him with blessing. They worship him with glory. They worship him with thanksgiving. They worship him with honor. They cry out with a loud voice saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Then I believe the musicians shift them back into the refrain. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, but in the midst of that praise, listen to me. In the midst of that praise, in the midst of that worship, what are the elders? Ah, he stands in the midst of the congregation. And he says, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? Basically, he asked the question, who are these people dressed in white robes? And where did they come from? John says, I don't know who these people are, but you know. And the elder says, these are they. They have come out of great tribulation they come out of great sorrow they've come out of cancer they've come out of divorce they've come out of poverty they've come out of loneliness they've come out of brokenness they've come out of heartache they've come out of death they've come out of disease they've come out of destruction they have washed their robes. They believe. I should say they believed that Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. They believed that the story did not end. For in three days, he rose again. They have washed their robes. John could not answer the elder. If you don't mind, I want to answer the elder's question myself. I hear him say, who are these people? <laughs> these are they. Who believe like John believed. I am the one that he loves. If you are going to be there. You have to get it in your head. He loves me. He loves me. 
Stop walking around with your head down. Do you know he loves you? He moved heaven and earth for you. He loves you. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. He loves you. He cares about you. All of your days were written in his book before you were even born. He thought of you before your daddy met your mama. He loves you. Come on, praise team. He cares for you. You are the only one that he cares for. It's as if you are the only one on this earth. God loves you. Listen to the words of this song. That's love. Oh, that's love. 
This car, this house. Jimmy, Harry, Lucy, Susie. But love is Jesus on Calvary. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. And for me and you, he died. That's love. <laughs> you won't find it in the other place. That's love. Today, your search ends. The doors of this church are now open. this love you won't find it any other place today if you hear 
find his voice harm not your heart come child come child come child come child Today is your day. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. 